0: In the movie Gladiator, which I'm not wholeheartedly endorsing the movie, but in the movie Gladiator, Russell Crowe's character, if you remember correctly, he's there standing in the middle of a gladiatorial arena. And after dispatching all the combatants, after, you know, defeating them in kind of a, a bloody combat, what he does is he looks up at the bloodthirsty crowd that is there cheering him on as they've just witnessed this spectacle. And he yells out to them, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Now, we know historically that the ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans were accustomed to some pretty radical forms of entertainment. Um, They've they seen astonishing things in their life, and they were used to being wowed by these big spectacles there in the arena. But, but more than that, the Roman Empire, as history has recorded, and as you've probably studied as well, it was a very advanced civilization in spite of some of their bloody forms of entertainment the romans were brilliant the romans were creative and even today you know we can see a lot of the lasting impacts of how skilled they were their architects you know a lot of our design for buildings and bridges and arches and things and aqueducts came from them um, their legal codes and their civil procedures are some of those that we use even in western culture but the Romans, as we see there on the screen with the with the arena there, they're probably most noted for some of those bloody battles there in the Colosseum. Gladiators would face off against one another there in the Colosseum, but not only that, they also had animals fight each other. In fact, the other day, um, Roman or Xander, one of them said, hey, Dad, who do you think would win in a fight, lions or bears, if they fought each other? I said, I don't know, but I think the Romans had them fight. They did. Historically, the Romans had these bloody, nasty. I mean, not a real pleasant thing. These things go on there in the arena for fun. Oh, there'd also be chariot races. There's also be poetry reading and performances, but it was also kind of bloody as well. But, but immediately, one right after another, the Romans were in this kind of perpetual entertainment mode where they were always being wowed by some spectacular spectacle there in front of them. If you wanted to have an amazing show, travel there to Rome, enter into one of the Colosseums and see something quite spectacular. You know, several, or maybe about a year ago, several months ago, we finished up a study of the book of Mark. And as we discussed in the book of Mark, we remember that in ancient Rome, it would probably be hard to reach those people with the gospel message. Whereas maybe you could talk to an ancient Jew and tell them how Jesus fulfilled different messianic prophecies to a Roman. That wouldn't mean anything. They, they didn't care about what some prophet, some Jewish prophet said about some coming Messiah. That didn't wow them. That didn't impress them. Old Testament prophecy was meaningless to them. It was irrelevant. You know, sometimes we do something similar. We'll go out to a world that doesn't have any kind of semblance of understanding of Christianity and we'll start our our outreach to them with, hey, did you know the Bible says? And what's the Bible to them, right? The same kind of world in which the Romans were living. One might have gone to the Romans and preached, you need to follow Jesus. But to the Romans, they may have just simply replied, who is he? Who is this Jesus? The Romans were accustomed to to great spectacles, they were accustomed to the extreme and the amazing, and you try to present to them a simple carpenter's son from Galilee, that wouldn't mean anything to them. They wouldn't want to follow him. In fact, to the Romans, the whole area around Judea was a nothing region. The only reason really historically that the Romans cared about Judea is not because, oh, they love Jerusalem and was this great city in the ancient world. No, it was on a trade route between them and Egypt. So they needed to make sure they occupied and controlled that land. They didn't care what was going on there in Judea, especially in kind of the hillbilly region of Galilee is kind of how it would have been viewed. So that's where the book of Mark comes in. In the book of Mark, Mark sets out to prove to the Roman world that Jesus is the Messiah. And the way that he does it, and we talked about this a while back, is Mark tries to present to his audience that Jesus is amazing. See, they had maybe seen some amazing things before, but they had never seen anyone as amazing as Jesus. See, they'd seen amazing feats of battle in the arenas. They'd seen amazing chariot races. They'd heard amazing poems and had these great amazing statesmen and philosophers and accomplishments in architecture and engineering. They wanted to see something amazing. A simple carpenter's son wouldn't be so amazing to them. So what Mark does is Mark in his gospel writes down and proves to his Roman audience that Jesus is amazing and because he is amazing, you should follow him. One of the ways Mark does that Is by showing Jesus as being kind. Now you might be thinking, well, how would that impact them? I mean, the Romans didn't care about kindness. That wasn't something that they were wowed by. I mean, they weren't noted for kindness. I mean, they enjoyed bloody violence in the Colosseum and they also participated in in bloody wars. They weren't a kind people. Um, You study history, the Romans readily practiced. What they did was they killed babies. Okay, They didn't practice abortion so much, but what they did was if a child was born that they did not want it, it is recorded time after time again that people were instructed to let the infant die of exposure upon the hillside. In fact, um, many writers talk about how if you chose to want a boy, if you had a girl, you let the child die. If the child was born with a deformity or some sort of disease, they they would let the child die. They weren't a loving child. gentle culture. But yet, in the middle of that bloodthirsty and unkind culture, if someone is different, they're going to stand out. See, we're drawn to that which is different. We're drawn to a spectacle, just like maybe uh, some sort of gladiator in the arena that was stronger than everybody else. He's different. Let's pay attention to him. Well, if Mark can prove Jesus as being different, Than everybody else in their society, people would pay attention to him. See, in that bloodthirsty culture of the Roman Empire, a kind, gentle person would stand out. And that's what Mark presents about Jesus. The Gospel of Mark shows for us, time after time again, that Jesus is kind. His kindness is amazing, and because of that, we should follow him. If you haven't already done so, turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark, and we're going to look at the gospel of Mark, and we're going to see how truly amazing Mark's gospel really is and how it presents to us, not the amazing Spider-Man, like if you didn't recognize the Marvel font, but the amazing Jesus, okay? Jesus is amazing because his kindness is amazing, and I think we're going to see that first off as we begin to break down this gospel. We're going to be bouncing around within the book this morning, but right off the bat, One of the the ideas of Jesus that is presented to us in Mark's gospel is that Jesus is kind toward the disabled. See, the Romans were about efficiency. The ancient Roman world was about what works. They're very pragmatic in, in their approach to things. And those that were disabled could be seen as an inconvenience. Those that were disabled would have been neglected, ignored, or even in the case of a child born might even be put to death. But yet, Jesus, when he's approached by those that are disabled, Jesus doesn't ignore them. They're not an inconvenience to them. They're not something less of an ideal form of society. Jesus showed those people kindness. Look at chapter 2, verse 11. Chapter 2, verse 11 in the book of Mark, you have a person who is paralyzed come to Jesus. In fact, he doesn't necessarily come to Jesus. He's brought to Jesus in kind of a unique fashion, but Jesus pays attention to this paralyzed man. And after telling him that his sins are forgiven in verse 11, he says to the paralyzed man, pick up your pallet and go home. And he got up and immediately he picked up his pallet and went out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed. And we're glorifying God saying, we've never seen anything like this. Now, they never seen anyone cast or forgive sins like that before, of course. They never seen a spectacle of someone cutting open the rooftop and lowering down a paralyzed man. I know that was pretty spectacular, but they'd also never seen anyone as amazing as Jesus who took the time and energy to heal that paralyzed, disabled man. And now he's able to pick up his pallet and walk out that door. Jesus is amazing. His kindness Was amazing. In chapter 3, in verse 5, skip ahead, it says that there's a a man who comes to him with a, a withered hand. And Jesus, after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. A man with a withered hand couldn't become a warrior. A man with a withered hand couldn't fight in the Roman army. A man with a withered hand, maybe could not be some kind of great musician or carpenter or architect or something. He he had a disability, but Jesus paid attention to him and healed him. He showed kindness toward the disabled. You go on in chapter 7, in verse 37. This whole idea is summarized up for us. It reads, and they were utterly astonished, saying, he's done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to hear to speak. Jesus was kind. The deaf hear, the mute speak. In chapter 10, even the blind can see. See, think about it. In a society where it might have been common to put to death one who was disabled at an early age because they were an inconvenience, they were less than ideal, Jesus was so amazingly kind that he took the time to give them attention. They weren't an inconvenience to him. Jesus showed kindness toward the disabled. But you go on, Jesus also showed kindness toward the, dece- to, toward the diseased. Many people were disgusted by those that had illnesses. Many people avoided them. We are familiar with the idea of, I know we read about the lepers outside of the city and all of that. You didn't want to be around diseased people. I mean, sometimes these diseases were were pretty gross. I mean, you think of leprosy or something like that. But yet Jesus When he saw these people with the diseases that were all around them, he wasn't put off by them. He wasn't disgusted by them. You go back to chapter 1, you have this amazing interaction of Jesus and a man with leprosy. In verse 40 of Mark chapter 1, it says, And a leper came to Jesus beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And moved with compassion, Jesus is moved by kindness. What does he do? He reaches out and he touches him and says to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy cleansed him, and he was cleansed. He wasn't disgusted by that disease. He was willing to touch a man with leprosy. I'm not even willing to touch the elevator buttons when I do hospital visits, okay? I use my elbows or knees. Jesus touches this man with leprosy. Why? Because he's kind. He heals a woman with a hemorrhage in chapter 5. Verse thirty-four and multitudes of sick people. Chapter six, verse five, and chapter six, verse fifty-five. Jesus showed kindness toward the diseased. They weren't, you know, some sort of lower class of citizen. They weren't somebody to be rejected or ignored or be disgusted by. He wasn't bothered by them. He cared about them and showed kindness. Toward them. Would that stand out in a bloodthirsty world? Would that stand out in that society? I believe it would. Because in a society where everybody is unkind, and then you got Jesus over here showing kindness toward the disabled and kindness toward the disease, you would think there's something different about him. And you might be drawn toward him. We go on though, you also see that Jesus showed kindness toward those who were rejected. See, Mark wants us to be drawn to Jesus. He wants us to be motivated to believe and follow him. And Jesus' kind nature would be so in contrast to the violent norms of the day that we would be drawn to him. And we see that as we continue here. Look at chapter five, verse one. In chapter five, verse one, we have Jesus in the garrison, demoniac. Strange interaction takes place. We've preached on it before. But you have a man who's demon-possessed and he's living in the tombs and unclothed and breaking chains and screaming, okay? Definitely someone who would have been outcasted in society, okay? This isn't the guy you invite to Starbucks for a cup of coffee. This isn't the person you want to hang out with. You definitely don't want to be seen in public with him because he's running around in the nude screaming and breaking chains and living in the graveyard, okay? But Jesus shows kindness toward him. He casts out the demons, and it's a strange interaction with, with pigs and all this kind of thing, but Jesus... Cast out the demon out of him. In chapter 7, verse 30, Jesus cast out another demon. In chapter 9, verse 25, he continues to cast out the demons out of those who are possessed. Now, this isn't a lesson on demon possession, but Understand this, that that would be a person who's definitely on the fringe of society, okay? That's a person that wouldn't fit into the normal world. And he would have been a person that you avoid, right? The one person you don't hang around and associate with is a demon-possessed. But Jesus goes to them and casts the demons out of them. The rejected, Jesus accepted. Jesus does the same thing in chapter 8, in verse 9, by taking care of the hungry, They weren't an inconvenience to him. He didn't ignore them, but Jesus fed them. Jesus even showed kindness toward children in chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. Remember that interaction with Jesus and a child. The people that would normally have been rejected, that would have been looked down upon, the people that would have been ignored, they didn't offend Jesus. They weren't an inconvenience to Jesus. They didn't bother Jesus. He didn't reject them. He embraced them and loved them and showed them kindness. Even to the point of showing kindness toward tax collectors and sinners. You back up to chapter 2 in verse 15. It says, and it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house and many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples for there were many of them and they were following him, Jesus, showed kindness toward the rejected. So what does all this mean to us? Because we look back, we go, yeah, well, the Romans, they were so bloodthirsty, evil, violent, and mean, and unkind people. Truth of the matter is, we're not any different. Our society can be kind of bloodthirsty at times. Some of our entertainment, oh, it might not take place in a coliseum. We find entertainment value in that which is outlandish, extreme, and even violent and bloody at times. We can be very much self-absorbed and only want what we want and only care about us and trying to get ahead and kind of, we don't want to be bothered by other people. If you're an inconvenience to us, just leave us alone so we can go about our business. We're a lot like the Roman world. But Jesus, on the other hand, stood in contrast. Jesus was a beacon of kindness in an unkind world. So for us then today, the lesson is simply, Be like Jesus. Let's be a people that show kindness in the world. Because when the rest of the world is being unkind, when they're neglecting those people that are normally rejected, what if we, as the West Visalia Church of Christ, were noted for our kindness? What about when people heard our name or saw our our logo or, or heard about the Christians that meet here, they thought, you know, that's some people that in this unkind world I can trust. That they're kind. And when they ask us, why are you so kind? We can say, hey, we're just trying to be like Jesus. Let's be kind people. In an unkind world, be kind like Jesus. The lesson is yours this morning. The application is simple, but it's hard to put into practice. You're going to be faced with lots of opportunities this week to show kindness. The people that are rejected by the society. The people that are often neglected and ignored. Don't ignore them. Don't neglect them, love them, show them kindness like Jesus would. In just a moment, we're going to sing an invitation song. We'll leave these front pews open. One of the elders will be up here to meet your needs if you have them, and I will be up here as well. If you need the prayers of this congregation, if you want to be baptized in the Christ this morning, we can help you out. It's Together We Stand and Sing.